Hello and welcome once again to the M4 Project. We're a movie podcast that watches films the wider public missed and tell you if they're worth watching. This week's film is Four Rooms from 1995. Yes. But first, as always, I'm Matthew Jelinek. And I'm Morgan Davidson. We were supposed to have two other chaps here today, mm. Gene and Mikey. Rest in peace. Mikey has got severe butt hurt. Yeah. Um, literal butt hurt from yep. gastro. And Gene just hasn't showed up. Yeah. We Gene. think he might have yeah. been kidnapped. Possibly. Taken style. Yeah. We'll wait and see. We'll see. It's all good. Anyways. I have no particular skills. <laughs> I can't help Gene, I'm sorry. One thing I was going to mention is... I'm a cactus spotter. A cactus spotter? Yeah. Is I go around. Cactuses? Yeah, I go around cruising and taking photos of cactus I come across. That's a... When, when did this start and why? A few years ago, we were on a trip, me, my wife, and... A cactus? My, my mother-in-law. We were going out a back way just to get to Orange is where my wife's from, close to there. Uh, this is before we had kids. And I was like, oh wow, cactus. Oh wow, cactus. And they got they found it funny, so we ended up just having a fun on the no, journey and started cactus spotting. And then it became a bit of a competition of who could spot the most cactus. <laughs> and then I decided, because my mother in law ripped me off a lot, I was going to get photos of random cactuses and gift it to her as a photo album at the end of the year, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> I sent messages out to That's people brilliant. over Facebook from like that I've met or from all over the world. Um, I got a good response from that. Friends from over, all around yeah. the world uh, sent me photos Absolutely from good. France, England. Um, a mate it was over in America. Uh, someone was happened to be in somewhere in Asia. Um, got, got got cactuses from nice. Um, and then my wife and I went for a drive around the Hunter region and just look just for cactuses. Look for cactus. I can report that if you are a fellow cactus spotter, Cessnock is the number one destination in the Hunter region for really? cacti. Oh my god. Cacknock. They, Cacknock, definitely. They are fucking everywhere. Really? Everywhere. I didn't realise we had so many cactuses. We got into a very dodgy, some dodgy areas just by like looking for cactus and then yep. you like realise like, they're, they're staring at us. We should probably, we should lock, probably the car. lock the car, lock the car. Keep driving. <laughs> um, go to go to Cessnock if you are a fellow cactus spotter. There you go. Yeah. You should yeah. try it. I should try it. Yeah. I, I Keep your eye out for cactus. They're everywhere. I didn't realise. Once you're aware, you start they're seeing everywhere. Them. I start seeing them. That's um, sounding more and more like a psychosis. Do oh, you even have a wife everywhere. and children? They're everywhere. Are they, do they look like cactuses? Yeah. Uh, and do then... the cactuses come for you at night? Anyways, this week's movie was Four Rooms. It Four was rooms. Gene's pick, which and Gene hasn't arrived. Um, so I will do the back of the box. Back of the box. So Four Rooms is a 1995 comedy film co-written and co-directed by four directors. Alison Anders, um, Alexandre Rockwell, Robert Rodriguez and the brilliant Quentin Tarantino. Each directing a segment of which is loosely based on the short fiction writings of Roald Dahl, especially Man from the South, which is the basis for the last one, Penthouse, The Man from Hollywood, directed by Tarantino. Um, the film's animated opening credits are inspired by the cartoons of the Pink Panther show. The story is set in the fictional Hotel Mon Senor in Los Angeles on New Year's Eve. Tim Roth plays Ted, the bellhop, and the main reoccurring character in all the stories, whose first night on the job consists of four very different encounters with various guests. The film is, as I said, set on New Year's Eve, and it starts with Sam, the previous bellhop of the Hotel Monsignor, briefing his replacement, Ted, about the job. Stay clear of night clicks, kids, hookers, and married arguments. Tell you something else. Keep your cock in your pants. 
Anything to add to the overall back of the box there, Matty? No, nope, that's pretty much you it. You can spackle me for once. A little spackle, spackle away. Yeah. Uh, actually, actually, I think you pretty much nailed it. No, spackle, <laughs> no, no cracks, no, no, no gaps. Okay, so this movie is like one we've done before, um, like Go. So what we're going to do is something slightly different. We're going to touch on each individual story because each mm. individual sort of scene is directed by a different director and most except for one tim roth carries through all of them but except for only one other scene does another character crossover yeah so we'll go through sort of each of them and then talk about the characters in the characters and the performances in each of them yep yeah works out good brilliant so the first one is honeymoon suite the missing ingredient uh written and directed by allison anders so the premise of this one is uh a Series of ladies start arriving and asking for the honeymoon suite. In fact, one of them asks for the lovemaking suite. Uh, and it's quickly sort of established that they're evidently a coven of witches. And they are performing a ritual to release their goddess who was turned to stone in the room on her wedding night yes. 40 years before. And this requires some ritualistic toplessness Woo! and some semen. Woo! Yeah. Yes. Or lack thereof for a or while. Or lack thereof Ooh. for a bit. Which but is, where can they get it? Yeah. Uh, only guy seems to be around. Seems to be... Uh, ding, Ted, ding. Bellhop. Bellhop. Ted yes. the Bellhop. Effervescent and fluttery hand Tim Roth. Yes. With an often squeaky cartoony voice. Voice, yes. He, he which, definitely pitches up yeah, a bit for a while. A, 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 bit, a bit. When he gets a bit excited. And that sort of thing. And I'm Ted the Bellhop. Uh, and it's not a role that I, I was sort of aware of from, from Timothy Roth. He's often played a lot more uh, serious. Rough and gruff and, well, and a lot of the Quentin Tarantino films like gangster sort of characters or cops and in this yeah he's he's very flappy of hand and very animated and often skips and jumps and thinks you very much and tips the hat and bows and just just very animated very very yeah. very he, he, his range in it is quite good mm. um you know he does he gets a little bit angry at a couple of moments yeah. um he's good scared with dialogue shitless as scared well. shitless definitely and awkward as fuck in this one yeah uh, which is, you know, it's the opening, it's the sort of uh, palate cleanser to, mm. to get you started on it. And, and it's quite uh, quite a good little little story for, for what it is. It's yeah. quite short um, from that memory. It's the shortest yeah. of all four of them, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's pretty short. Or sh- it felt like to me. Yeah, it, it, I think it is just the, the shortest because the, uh, the opening credits last for about five minutes and there's a two-minute scene with the previous bellhop yeah. telling him to basically behave himself. Keep your cock in your pants. Uh, and then the witches start turning up, and it's here's one, here's a lady, and what appears to be her daughter. It's like, it's like, don't talk to your mother that way. If you're if you're my mother, why are we sleeping together? And a few other little weird quips that establishes that they're not normal people. Uh, and then they're standing around the center of the room, hot tub, yeah, throwing things in. into it, collected tears and whatnot. <laughs> and then we need sperm. Let's get. Let's get I, what, I, what I loved about this, they were all um, they were all saying a bit of a spell as they yeah. threw their ingredients in, and the the last one, what was her name? It was Eva. That's right, yeah. uh, and she's the one who'd forgotten the sperm. And I I laughed so hard at Eva's spell. Yeah, um, well, yeah. Each of them, as you if you've ever watched Charmed, you know a spell has to rhyme. Right. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're doing these things of why they collected uh, a year of tears and this and, and that and, and a cat in a hat and a box <laughs> full of socks and. God and Eva's was this. Yeah. Uh, Goddess Diana, fail you I will. I was to bring you fresh sperm from my bill. I had him erect, and his semen would follow. But alas, I was hot, so hot that I swallowed. <laughs> 
I I lost yeah, it. I, I that, thought that, that was hilarious. That but the the thing that hit me with that, which made it really even funnier for me, was the fact that she waited until they were all you know that some of them had disrobed and they're all dancing and performing this little dance and whatnot and putting their ingredients into the uh, into their cauldron air quotes hot tub, uh, and she waited till that moment to tell the coven. Yo, I didn't get the sperm. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be the first thing you walk in and go, look, I didn't get the sperm. We better find me some sperm. Let's before get we some start sperm doing before it. we start doing this. Let's not wait until our limited time window to get it. How about we do that? No, nope, she nope. waits to that moment to tell them in rhyme. But it made it all the better it's, for her. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's That's what made it so much funny. Like, they went through all this effort. It's like, no, I fucked us. Sorry. While we're talking about... About that character, we might as well talk about. Um, I think Owen's Iron Sky played yep. Eva. Eon, Eon, I'm not sure. Eon I-O-N-E. Yeah. I'm not sure how Odd. to pronounce the name. I haven't really seen her in anything else, but she was great in that little yeah. in the little role. For what it was, it was yeah. it was quite comic. Um, yeah. Her acting and basically that she's now got to sort of seduce Ted yeah. in, into you know, providing the sperm. Yeah, uh, in, in the witches' coven. So they're all basically different sort of uh, archetypes of witches. Like there's the um, Madonna. Madonna's in it. She's, she's this leather-clad dominatrix sort of. And Madonna, at this yeah. time in 95, looked fucking hot. Yeah. She was, oh, in this film, in, in, in her little cameo in this. And I actually kind of don't dislike Madonna as an actress, mm-hmm. especially in this type of character yeah. um it reminded me very much of michelle pfeiffer as um catwoman yeah slightly um, yeah, yeah she has this a, ability yeah. for that sexiness yeah and does quite a good job uh, like a brooding scolding sort of quiet character she can do that quite well yeah uh but back to ion skies or iron skies the film about nazis coming back from the dead or whatever it was uh <laughs> Yeah, she she's more of the. Uh, she even tells uh, Tim Roth, uh, Ted the the bellhop. You know, I joined the witch coven to learn more about my feminine powers. I I wanted to be a midwife. Yeah, and and that's why I did this sort of thing. And she's more this like cute, just wants to to understand womanhood and the magic behind that. Like she's not this uh, wart, watered nose. I'm gonna drink the bay leaves to get the magic. Super I thought you were going to say drinking the blood of the innocent. Oh, there was which, one, one of them which probably Madonna would do. Uh, Madonna's yeah. character looked like she would yeah. drink the blood of the innocent. Yeah, but she was just drinking semen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she, that's the sort of character she was playing. And she did it very, very well. That's probably... There's there's no other real... There's, there's a couple of other characters in it, but they're not really... They don't have much wor- dialogue. Worthy, just worthy other... of note. So after that one, what, what did you like that, yeah, that, that one scene. directed? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, the way it was, it wasn't anything particularly um, amazing. It was shot basically on par with like an episode of Charmed. Yeah. Like it it wasn't anything strange or anything really too intense. It was literally just a, hey, here's a story about where we're fetching semen. Cool. We don't really need to do anything cinematic with it. Now that you mentioned that, it actually did feel very sitcom. Yeah. Very sitcom. Yeah, because the set is, the, the set they're on is really... Seinfeldish, really, yeah, Seinfeldish, and it's very much okay. You had these limited angles you could use, and all the backgrounds look like quickly painted plasterboard uh, with some, you know, curtains draped over it to make you think that there's possibility of a window back there somewhere, even though there isn't, and all the lights coming from the ceiling. Uh, but yeah, it, it was really sort of simple, really straightforward. It was more about the characters and how they're talking and this, this brief moment of interaction. It was probably for me the weakest. Oh yeah, of them, but. I didn't dislike it. It was a good for a chuckle. Yeah, it was good. And for- a good light way to open. Yeah, light way to open. Uh, sort of quickly 
uh, establishes the yeah, this ain't necessarily a regular story. We're going a bit absurdist with it. The effects for the magic, like he has yeah. literal cartoon love hearts floating around his head after a after she kisses him, a beam of lightning, that's right, eye contact eyes, that's thing, right. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's sort of just basically and boobs. Like, yeah, and there's boobs. boobs constantly in this scene. Which as I said, I'll, 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 there's something I've got to mention later to do with boobs, but I won't yeah. mention it now. I'll go into it later. It's a bit, right. it's a bit, imp- it's important. Yeah, to, to okay. mention, and I'll mention it later. But the boobs in this. They're pretty good boobs. If you like boobs, good boobs. Yeah. Moving on to Room 404, The Wrong Man, written directed by Alexandre Rockwell. So Ted, um, you know, he takes a call, a room service call for ice in Room 404. Um, Ted finds himself in the middle of a fantasy hostage situation between a husband and wife. Uh, Siegfried. Not the room that called. Not the room that called, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Siegfried, the husband, he uh, manically accuses Ted, um, who he calls Theodore, uh, of having slept with his wife. And Angela um, is sitting there at, gagged. Tied to a chair. Tied to a chair. So uh, Siegfried has um, Ted at gunpoint and makes him participate in the scenario. Mm. Very comical. Yeah. Um, very absurd. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's this quick sort of, these quick switches between incredibly tense i have a gun to your face ted the bellhop and ted the bellhop going what the fuck, fuck have i and walked then, into <laughs> and then also quickly switching between then siegfried going off on this weird tangent of admit it admit that you you're sorry for sleeping with her husband uh, wait what and then so he's uh, ted's now confused about what exactly, what exactly is, is going on like is it and then siegfried will go to the bathroom and he's the girl's trying to tell him to take the Gag at him. It's like, what is happening? Is this real? Is it what? Yeah. Is this a, is this a sex, sex thing? Scene? Are you guys just role playing, or <laughs> is this? He's back with the gun. The gun is clearly loaded. What what is happening? Like, I will acquiesce to your requests, but I uh, what befuddled. And, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. this. I really really liked. Really it. really snappy. Yeah. Um. It was something. It was always something happening. There was no slow moment. There's no stop. Like Tim Roth, that will probably just. We talk about him in sort of each of them, but he, he's good throughout the entirety of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does something slightly different in, in each one. Yeah. Whilst it's the same character, yeah. the situations are so different, yeah. it gives him a little bit to work with. Absolutely. But um, David Provel, who played Siegfried in this, was the star of the scene. I oh, yeah. He, he was it. crazy. Um, not, he, not surprising that a man with a gun stole something. Yeah. <laughs> he was this jealous, deluded, bizarre character that is Siegfried. Um, was he like a closeted cat? Uh, what do they call it? Co- um, cuck? Yeah, yeah I think that's pretty much. That's, that's what, what he, sort he of... wanted it, but didn't want it. Wanted to uh, uh, play. It sort of revealed later that it was a. It is a sexual fantasy sort of uh, thing going on. It's just them playing, and this is the game that they play. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just him manifesting that fantasy, enforcing Ted into it, into like this forced improv situation of you're here so you can be the person that I can play this off of. Uh, but yeah, he his ability to swing between playing almost gangsters, I'm going to shoot you in the face. I'm going to shoot you in the face and I just want to be loved, man. Yeah. <laughs> do you love me? You do love me, Ted. We're best friends now, Ted. Yeah, he does. He goes between manically yelling at him yeah. to basically crying and then, do- and then having a heart attack. And then, yeah, that's right, having a heart attack. And, and, and then, then he... he I, yeah. yeah, the heart attack isn't as what it seems. Yeah. And Ted ends up trying to escape through a bathroom. It all sort of goes to bits eventually. Yeah. And yeah, it's and a he good finds, little scene. Yeah, basically, eventually Ted finds a moment to leave and he does. And then someone else sort of walks past and goes, oh man, I was at a party before. Do you remember? Is that room 404? It's like, I don't even know. Person walks in and you can hear the scene starting over again. Uh, Hello, Theodore. Yeah. So, oh, and off it goes. 
Anything else to say about that scene? Uh, I will say compared to the previous one with the Witch Coven, shot very, very well. Yes. Um, a lot of very interesting angles in the way that it, it followed the characters around and showed that tension of Tim Roth trying to deal with what the fuck's going on. I like gagged character trying to I tell him what's happening and there's a guy swinging a gun. and The the shots that I really liked are the ones that aren't sort of like level. Yeah. Um, they're not they're not like front the on face they're yeah. like they've, they've shot your face from close to your elbow yeah sort of thing and it just gives that feeling of yeah, unease yeah, yeah yeah it was bizarre and, and it worked great yeah. for it the lighting was nice and dingy mm. and the room was a lot more con- uh, convincing as well like you thought you were in this increasingly it almost felt uh, claustrophobic the room right? and then it's supposed to be a big room and, and then, then in the bathroom there's blood yeah uh, which isn't really yeah revealed but i have a theory that i'll yep. go into later on yep, that yep. one not a problem um, uh, and there's also an interesting shot when uh the bellhop ted the bellhop gets stuck in the window so we're doing that uh classic split shot of you can see the basic the wall you're seeing either side of the wall, wall and the camera's uh sort of breaking that that wall there and you can see his legs and his his top half i thought that was a really well done little shot uh, and it's at, perfect because he's outside at night as well and he's inside in the light. Yeah. It's perfect. His legs are um, bright and well lit and he's outside in the cold and he sort of spins around, looks up to a window, sees someone staring at. And they vomit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, call the police. Please, the love of God, call the police. Ice. ice. <laughs> so clearly he isn't in the right room and the people who needed the ice in the party were, were upstairs. Upstairs. Definitely. So moving on. Yep. Have to move on. Room 309, The Misbehaviors, written and directed by the brilliant Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. It, this stars uh, Antonio Banderas. Banderas! Uh, he's a husband uh, and his wife is there as well. They go out to a New Year's Eve party and leave their two children, Sarah and Yoncho, I think it was pronounced, yep. in the hotel room. Ted is paid 500 bucks to keep an eye on them by the stern father, resulting in drinking, smoking, kids, vandalism, fire, and a dead hooker. Yeah. That- um... <sighs> It falls apart so quickly. I love it, it does. I, lo- I really liked uh, Antonio Banderas' character in this. He's... Compared to yeah. Auto... Automata? Automata, that's yeah. the one. Auto- or Automata. Yeah, Automata. <laughs> um, very different. Very the the the, the, the puss peak. in boots. Yeah. Antonio Banderas, you it's, expect. It is, it is kind of a peak Banderas sort of role. He's this mustachioed, slick-haired... Slick badass kind of guy who's willing to pay for a problem to go away uh he's smoking and trying to pull his son's hair back he's like you want to sleep back like me yeah you're cool now you're cool puts the cigarette down the kid picks up has a few puffs dad doesn't seem to mind takes it back to the kid without really snatching it has a few puffs himself he's badass sort of uh, if you if you and if my children are hurt i will kill you yeah (laughs) pretty much it's like uh no it's like five hundred dollars you're checking my kids every half hour He's full of like, I don't know, like a Vavuma swagger yeah. about him. Got the way he just struts around. He, like he isn't even in the scene for that for no. that long. The beginning, of the but end. he owns that scene. Yeah. He just alpha yeah. male pisses on everyone, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, he just he was sharp. He had presence. I mean, I actually was thinking when I was watching it, and I'm thinking, man, you would have made a great Gomez Adams. That's exactly yeah, absolutely. Especially because uh, he and his wife. Uh, sort of constantly doing little tango moves, and, and, and he actually bend, he does that thing where he like drops it. her down back and kisses her like yeah. Gomez does. Yeah. And I was like, um, who who played him? Uh, Ra- what's his name? Raul Julio. Yeah, yeah. He was great. Don't don't get me wrong. But if he had have died earlier than doing Adam Family, Antonio Banderas, I believe, would have done a great job. I think as well. He could probably tone it. 
tone back the darkness a bit and do uh, closer to that Gomez, or if they're doing like a gritty reboot, he could do very. He could dark. do the gritty, gritty Gomez very, very well. As they, they, they've decided, we're not going to take the kids with us. We'll leave the kids here. Tim Roth turns up with the bottle of champagne they demanded. He's like, well, we don't want it now. It's too late. Uh, we're going to pay you. I don't trust kids. Yeah, I don't trust the babysitters. I'm going to. Tra- I'm going to through this wonderful piece of back and forth dialogue. So I'm going to give you 500 bucks. You check on my kids every half hour. If they're hurt or anything, I kill you. Uh, just make sure they don't misbehave. Kids, don't misbehave. Yes, Papa. And off the parents go. Uh, Tim Roth, sort of happy to take the money, goes, look. I can't yeah. afford to stay here and mind you all night. Just behave and I'll yeah. check on you every now and then. Yeah. There's milk and cookies yeah. in it for you. Yeah, don't, don't call me unless you really, really need me. And off they leave. Uh, kids swiftly start misbehaving. Kids. Uh, start throwing darts at pitches and yeah. all these sort of things like uh, that. So the kids start to misbehave once everything's been set in motion. Yeah, as you said, throwing uh, a syringe they found at a lipstick target on a painting. They start complaining about what's that smell? smell. Is it your feet? No, it's your feet. You smell. Uh, causing Tim Roth all sorts of problems. And eventually he tries to put them to bed. They decide everything still smells. They push the mattress aside and find a dead hooker. hooker. And it all sorts of goes by the time and Banderas gets back very pear-shaped from... Yeah, the kids have opened another bottle of liquor, been drinking it a bit. Uh, Tim Roth throws it away from them. They've been smoking as well, throws a cigarette away, which I guess you can swiftly imagine. He's, uh, Tim Roth standing there with a syringe in his leg, yeah. uh, holding one of the other kids and holding a mattress that's revealing a dead well, hooker. No, he's holding the hooker's leg. Hooker's leg, that's right. He's holding the hooker's leg who yeah. is in the mattress. Yeah, in, in the bed base, yeah. And... So and it's only been Darius walks in. Did they misbehave? Did they misbehave? That's <laughs> only he can, the po- yeah. ponytailed Spanish Lothario. Yeah. Um, just to mention that they're watching some uh, some rather raunchy stuff on yeah. the television. There's a girl dancing. The girl That's dancing scary. is Selma Hayek. There you go. There you go. There you go. Uncredited role. I'm nice. pretty sure. Just a little little te- little, little teaser there. There you, go. there you go. Um, but that scene is is great. It's definitely. Um, probably one of the funniest scenes throughout, mm. throughout the movie. Uh, it's a, and it's a lot different to the one previous to it, which is mm-hmm. a lot darker. Um, and it's nothing like the one that comes after it either. Yeah. Um, which it, one it's, move on to sort of, it's almost a necessary change of tone and pacing for a film, uh, especially a film made up of several different stories. Uh, so this change of pace just sort of cleanses the palate a bit, gives you something to sort of keep going until the, the final... Uh, final story occurs but funny really really great uh the kid actors in it the way they interacted and their lines and this kid who gets getting the little boy keeps getting cigarettes slapped out of his face by tim <laughs> roth which was brilliant uh yeah fun fun little scene anything well else too yeah it was well shot anything else to mention on that scene no uh well i'll on? say yeah well shot but not as experimental perhaps as the scene before uh there's a fun tie-in in the second story with the um accidental well the deliberate cuck uh, at one point, the cuck answers the phone and, and he's having a conversation. Only he, his side is like, "No, we haven't got any needles here. Just one big ass gun." You find out in the next scene that it's the little girl when prank they, calling. Yeah, when they're having she goes, "I'm going to call another room. Give me four numbers: four zero nine. nine. So you find out, yeah, it, it was, was the wrong, wrong room. room. And it's like, "Hey, do you have any needles? We have needles here, and I was wondering if they come with the room or not. We ain't got no needles here, kid. No. Just a big fucking gun. Just checking." Oh, that's the other side of the conversation. Cool. I like when they do that. I like that in Go as well. They did that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was a really neat way to show it. it's like, yeah, it's all happening the same, same time. It's all tied together. It's not just this guy getting increasingly, increasingly weird situations. 
Moving on from there, you have, for my mind, the pick yep. of the scenes. It's called it's the penthouse. It's the man from Hollywood. It's written and directed and starring Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino owns this scene yeah. with Look, the fact yeah. that he can write dialogue and he is the guy speaking it and he delivers it mm-hmm. superbly. Yeah, he, he is known as the king of dialogue in cinema for a reason. It feels so real, real. It's but it's so much quicker and wittier than real life but doesn't feel false and polished like no. a lot of cinema does. Like It's just the necessary minimum words you need to say something and people just seem to understand but he just feels so alive and real and everyone seems to be naturally interacting. It almost feels like improv. I'm sure there probably is a, a certain element, element of that, of it, yeah. but it just feels so much more natural. And um, and done in one big take as well. Yeah, well, it's made up of uh, a number of long shots. shots yeah. There's a few uh, cut-ins where there's a the reaction shot and that kind of thing, but there's several severely long shots yeah. of just people talking and the cameras moving around right. in the room and getting different reactions coming back and forth and very very well done um, well, well acted well shot and well definitely. performed definitely yeah. so the, the penthouse has currently been occupied by the famous director Chester Rush which is played by Tarantino I, I will interrupt you there yeah. just one thing at the end of the previous story Tim Ross has, uh, the Ted the Bellhop has decided oh, he's that's had enough. Right. He calls his boss to quit, has an interaction with someone who is incredibly high, uh, eventually gets his boss and tells her, I'm done. You can come handle this. I've had enough. This place is a freaking batshit insane. I'm done. The penthouse starts ringing. She basically begs him, please just handle that and then you can go and we'll, we'll all be good. You, you, you're going to cost everyone in that building their jobs if you don't just go into this. And he goes, fine, I'll go to the penthouse. I'll do this last thing and then I'm fucking out. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> um, so it's pre- the penthouse been occupied by uh, director Chester Rush, which is Tarantino, uh, and a group of his friends, which includes Angela from The Wrong Man. Uh, she's obviously finished with her cuck, mm-hmm. and um, she's moved on, and she's partying with these guys. Uh, the party requests a block of wood, a donut, a ball of twine, three nails, a club sandwich, a bucket of ice, and extremely sharp, I think it was classed as razor sharp. Uh, sharp, uh, sharp, uh, sharp as the devil, devil himself, uh, hatchet. Um, there has been a wager made and digits are on the line. As we said, Tarantino playing uh, playing yeah. Chester, absolutely superb. He was on point. He mm. was suave. He was cool as fuck. Yeah. Um, he stole the show. Yeah. It, in The thing that I really like about uh, Tarantino's dialogue is he's able to get so much character development across and just... Uh, backstory and history of backstory of the scene history of characters and the dynamics between them and it doesn't feel like exposition there's so many films that sit and go yes but of course she's my ex-wife and i her and i have fought and yet he'll just with a a throwaway line have a character background go don't you hang up on me don't you if if you hang up on me i'm getting a divorce oh fuck off and, and just how these characters interact, these brief little moments of like, yeah, he's a fuckwit. And then he'll stop and get angry. And be like, you're all fucking pieces of shit. Who took, who didn't cork the, the, the crystal? Now it's bubbleless. And you know how much I pay for this stuff? You're all just here for my fucking money, you bunch of fucking brick. I'm sorry, I didn't. It's just frustrating sometimes, guys. Come on, can we not do that? It's like, so you, you're aware that this character has this underlying sense that people are sort of moving Using him for him, yeah. But at the same time, he's facilitating that and willing to party. So yeah. he's a man who's willing to throw money around for a laugh. And he's just brilliant at it. Yeah. At, at, at this role, is just absolutely superb. Yeah. He, he, he owns the scene. He is the main manipulator of the scene as mm-hmm. well. Um, who He basically drives how the, mm-hmm. scene, the scene runs, and, and it's done masterfully. For, right? yeah. Tim Roth is, is also great in this as 
the bellhop basically rocks up delivering stuff and then is offered a lot of money basically to be involved in the uh, potential loss of digits. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, what the hell? I'll take part. Yeah. Uh, The the way that um, uh, Tarantino's character, Chesterfield, or whatever his freaking name is, uh, sort of pulls the bellhop in. It's like, no, 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 come on, we're having a party. You can have a glass of wine. It's okay. You can have it. And at this point, Tim Roth, knowing that he's quit, he's like, like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'll I'll have a glass and... Just how he sort of breaks up. It's like, yeah, okay, we're here for a party. Just blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, here's why. Let's go through what you brought us. It's like a block of wood. Check. A lot of twine. That's a lot of twine. A donut. That's for me. Shoves a donut in his face. A club. Uh, it's like club uh, sandwich. A club sandwich. The logo is, that's for me. Uh, a hatchet. It's like, I asked specifically for one. It's as sharp as the devil. Blah, 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 blah. It's got all these things. And a bucket of ice. So what are we doing? It's like, well, <laughs> in, this, uh, in this show, the scene occurs where someone bets someone if you can get your lighter to light 10 times in a row you get my car if you can't and you don't get your lighter to light 10 times in a row i get to cut off your pinky we've decided we want to do that and the one of his friends establishes i love his car his car's fucking awesome i want the car i drive a shitty honda civic i want the car it's like you wouldn't do this you're all drunk it's like yeah that's why we're doing it if we were sober we wouldn't do it know that but here's the problem i don't think i could swing it i'd care too much i have too much invested we want you to say, I'm not doing that. And they convince him with money, which is seen to buy this character constantly. One second's work. Yeah, one second's work. A thousand dollars. For a thousand dollars. You've sold me. Yep, I'll do it. Cool. <laughs> Hand down on the wood block. Blade up. All right, here we go. Fella pulls out his lighter. Chink. Shop. Because it didn't light. <laughs> skips the money. They're screaming. Credits start to roll. End Tim Roth <laughs> skips down the road, skips down the hallway, back in the elevator, smiling, effervescent as always. Great uh, scene. Cameo uh, as well Bruce as Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, as, a small, he's divorcee agent, I think, or soon to be yeah, divorcee agent. A small, uncredited role. Yeah. Bruce Willis actually l- lends a bit to this scene yeah. um, just in his presence and his ability of just being there. Just, yeah. I don't know, it's something about it. Well, I don't, he, he, he does this great job of, uh, so he's the one screaming to the phone. It's like, uh, yeah, it's revealed through that dialogue that he got too drunk to drive home from the New Year's party. So he couldn't go be with his wife. He's like, honey, I'm drunk. I can't, what, do you, what do you want me to do? Drive drunk? Get a ticket? Die? What do you, it's like, I'm too drunk to drive. So I stayed. Fucking Deal divorce with me. Oh, you're going to divorce me? Right? And then he's clearly uh, Chesterfield's numbers guy. Because he'll be like, and, and we had, uh, how much did it make? Uh, 12.7 million. So he's like snapping to business mode and that sort of character was very well executed by him and also does drunk quite well as well. And it's just Bruce Willis. It's yeah. just, the scene is just cooler Charming. because Bruce Willis is there. Now an intermission where we talk about the film The Fifth Element. Um, I actually watched The Fifth Element the other day, which is the film I fucking loved. Love it. Um, and, you know, it was really good to see, to see Bruce Willis in this film. And I was actually thinking, for shits and giggles, how cool would it have been if Tarantino had have directed The Fifth Element with Bruce Willis? It would be a very, a very different film, but it would have been fucking cool. Yeah, it would have been because it was already cool. Yeah, but imagine yeah. A, a Tarantino re- style like a, cool. re- a version by Tarantino. There'd be a lot more blood, more feet, and just a lot more fox. And the dialogue would be a the lot. Di- the dialogue isn't bad. Yeah, but the dialogue would be so, like you've It'd got Gary, you got Bruce Willis who do, who does yeah. decent dialogue and, and does Gary well Oldman. in, in yeah, Fifty yeah, yeah. Nine. You've got Gary Oldman here, yeah. and Chris Tucker is hilarious in that mm-hmm. film. And maybe he might have given. What's her name? Lilu. Yeah. Just a little bit, little bit more to work with. Yeah. Big, uh, Miljovic, whilst hot, yeah. um, could have done with a little bit extra in that film. But we're not talking yeah. about that film. We're talking about this film. Yeah. Actually, sorry. Can she I just, the director of that film. Can I just say, in that film, I didn't realise the other day when I was watching that, 
um, the, the the costumes were designed by Jean Paul Gaultier, yeah. and when you watch it, knowing that you go, "Fuck, these costumes are awesome." Yeah, absolutely. You didn't until you realise that, and you look and go, "Yeah, that these well, are they're, they're, they're some incredibly iconic uh, freaking costumes, like her red, uh, her orange." A giant thing, whatever it is. Well, it's overall slash what became the mankini, yeah. basically, and that sort of keeps her pants up, I guess. Uh, yeah, and all that sort of things, the the white bandage gown and all that kind of thing, or crazy good. Uh, but yeah, another Sorry. fun fact: she married the director, and the language in that they learnt and speak to each other regularly. Apparently, that's just weird. Mm. Uh, cool, but weird. Yeah. Anyways, back to the film we watched. Oh yeah, four rooms, <laughs> four rooms, fifth element. Oh man, but how good would that have been? Yeah, it would have been crazy. That scene, yeah. good. The best of them for me. Yeah, uh, I really liked uh, the wrong man, but mm-hmm. this one was just like, man, Tarantino. Yeah. For for this scene, yeah, in this scene is again very well shot. Has some less. Uh, uh, Shots of trying to establish a mood and that kind of thing. Just one long flowing shot through a world just to show you the people in it and as they're connecting and interacting. Those are well done, well performed. And Ted the Bellhop is less of the main character in this scene, more of just another one of the people there. People there for the vehicle of uh, Quentin Tarantino. Very well done. On that one, now let's move into just general looks and tone. Yeah. Cool. So looks and tone. Um, Well set out. I like the swipe scenes. It mm-hmm. was a nice, grimy, sort of simple. Yeah. Um, they didn't do anything too special. No. All the sets were pretty generic in general, but for all, with the exception of the first one, yeah. kind of worked well for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, definitely all, the, all of the rooms, except for the penthouse, sort of established this as a failing hotel motel so, yes. it's it seemed a bit dingy a bit grimy a bit moldy well the you know the numbers fell off the door yeah, on and 409 no and no one sort of noticed and... they all the directors you know they all did a decent job for me they all did something different but very similar they all mm. you could tell that you know obviously they're collaborating together uh, they all have a, a similar style Mm. And they all worked it worked well together to have yeah. this film made with the four people who did it yep. do it. Yep, yep. It, yeah, it didn't feel so disjointed uh, that it felt like you're going to a separate movie. It felt like a, a continuous story with set within the one world, but did have enough of a different voice with each of the, the major scenes that you could tell that it was done by a different person. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I said, like uh, the misbehaviors and. Um, Probably the last one. I, I really did like The Wrong Man, though. Yeah, probably the, the, the first one is the weakest, and all three are pretty much up there, but just for Tarantino alone, I think. Mm. That, actually, scene-wise, um, The Wrong Man's probably the best scene, yeah. but for just acting, like mm. Tarantino delivering his lines was superb. Tone? Tone? Uh, dark. As a sort of a dark comedy kind of thing going, it was well done. Uh, definitely starts off very bright and a bit chirpier with the toplessness and witch coven and then sort of can swing a bit darker especially in the second scene overall well executed sort of dark comedy vibe it was yeah it was witty it was funny dialogue um of all the stories with tarantino obviously as we said he's a master of dialogue but it was all fairly witty it was all very similar his Mm. was just seemed slightly better yep i got a good laugh from the witches there whilst it was the weakest we've seen and mm-hmm. i hate i like boobies <laughs> no <laughs> i like the premise behind them having the four directors i was a bit upset that the entirety of the film was missing michael madsen it was slightly diminishing for me um <laughs> overall though 
I quite enjoyed this film. Like all the stories were interesting. They kept changing the pace. Didn't give you a chance to sort of go stale yeah. because so much sort of did happen. Each story knew when it sort of run its course and was happy to throw it off to wind the next one and wind up. It's like, cool, that was me done. You can move on to the next thing. Like there was probably two times that I checked how much longer I got, which is a good sign for me. And it's it's not that long of a film. I think it's an hour and 34 minutes or yeah. something like that. But it didn't drag on at all. It wasn't a long hour and 34 minutes. Like the stories weren't, the boast enough that it dragged on they were just quick little snippy vignettes going oh cool here's the situation it's played out here's him moving to the next scene if the stories had have been longer they wouldn't have worked as well no they, they were nice they were snippy exactly. and they were finished yeah that's what I was saying like, they, they, they've hit the right limits there yeah exactly right Mikey's not with us tonight but he did send through some of his comments yep. he said he didn't really find the first part funny uh, the witch coven seemed yep. pointless and uninteresting all the characters were bland nothing interesting was really done uh, with the film directing but he liked sort of the rest of it the wrong man section didn't seem to offer him anything either dialogue was boring for him I quite like the dialogue mm-hmm. I know Maddie did as well but yeah, his opinion he said from a movie that was short on time to tell an interesting story they didn't seem to do anything with it there he just felt like he was sitting through to the next section and he said the main character's physical performance was well done but he felt he overacts pretty badly at times I thought that was sort of intentional yeah um, absolutely but yeah, yeah his opinion. He, he definitely Tim Roth definitely pushed it into the absurd with like, the high squeaky <gasps> voices, like rubber face it pretty bad, yeah. jaw open, just sort of almost Macaulay Culkin slap the cheek scream kind of thing multiple times. But it's an absurdist film. He said uh, he left in like the last two stories a lot more. They were a lot more entertaining. Mm-hmm. The f- first half was utter trash. The movie did a one eighty, and then really good from the troublemakers scene. Simon, um, he's a single for a single take scene, and he loved Tarantino. Mikey didn't like the the witches scene, which is I, I, I witches. <laughs> I, I understand because we know Mikey a little bit. It might not seem as mm-hmm. obvious to people at home yeah. why he wouldn't have liked the witches scene. The witches yeah. scene had topless female nudity in it, mm. and you know, as anyone who knows might know, is that he has a fear and hatred of breasts. Yeah, um, yeah, he can't it's stand them. Yeah. It's a phobia. Um, Slightest bit of cleavage, and he sort of clams yeah. up. Guys generally love booze, but not Mikey. If he was here, I'm sure he, he would feel free to tell yeah. you guys. But he's not. And um, so I feel we'll on, on, his on his behalf, yeah. you know, he was breastfed by his mother and his grandmother till he was 16, right? It's a bit long. It's a bit long. And that has grown this phobia of breasts. Um, Matty, you've known him for a lot longer than I have. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me a story that his grandmother and mother would rock up at recess and lunch. He'd yeah, ask for bitty. chase him down. And, and they'd shove a, a boob in his mouth. Yeah. And you said his skill at being yeah. able to play handball and breastfeed at the same time was Miraculous. unbelievable. How it, anyone could do that. Yeah, I don't know. Like he, He's almost like a Spider-Man, Spider-Sense sort of tinkle thing. You just throw out a hand and get the ball. And you're like, first of all, what the fuck, dude? Also, what the fuck, what dude? dude? Yeah, it was insane. It was Did his mum have good boobs? Yeah, she, and she was actually pretty good at handball herself. So she, <laughs> she, she was in the she other could square. Double up. Yeah, she was yeah. in the square behind him. Like they were unstoppable. He'd be ace. She'd be king. And grandma, long, long boob. Be queen. I just can't imagine like uh, my wife breastfed for for a little while there, but a kid at sixteen year old with adult teeth would do damage. Well, yeah, but you have to remember as well. Like I think they were they just wanted to have strong bones. Well, he's definitely got strong bones yeah. now. I'd imagine that's a long time. Yeah. And it's kind of like Wolverine, yeah. You've never broken a bone. <laughs> it's, it's like they're basically providing with almost adamantium-style yeah. bones. That's the power of calcium, yeah, friend. That, that, that is very, very true. Yeah. But that is why Mikey, w- w- like, he says it's because the scene was a bit light and a bit lacking. But we it's know boobs. that it's more. That, there was boobs in it, and it boobs, and it just makes him a bit uncomfortable. It does, and I can understand why. Yeah. And now you guys will understand also why it would make him feel yeah. uncomfortable. So. uh 
Paul wanted out for our homie. All right. Uh, moving on to spoilers. There isn't really... Oh, wait, we already spoiled it. We already touched <laughs> our hands. There it's isn't not really, really any spoilers. There's no long overall plot arc or, or anything. It's literally just a one guy's night. It being ending with him quitting and chopping for dude's finger for a thousand bucks. Yeah, pretty much the end. Actually, uh, I will point out that it's a thousand one hundred bucks. Because mm. when he scoops, when he scoops up the, the the original one hundred and the thousand, and walks off with it, they don't seem to mind though. Meh, all good. Anyway, anything else to mention on this film? No, no, I think we've pretty much covered it. Next week's film is Society. It's a is a bizarre film. Society is a body horror film from 1989, with some famously disgusting scenes that make it not for the screamish, but that's to be expected when the effects are done by a guy nicknamed Screaming Mad George. Directed by Brian Yuzner, the film stars Devin DeVasquez, Evan Richards, Ben Mayerson, and with Billy Warlock, best name ever, in the lead role. The film follows the tale of Bill, played by young Mr. Warlock, as he deals with paranoia, isolation and delusion regarding his place within his high society family. Bill feels things aren't what they seem at home, and he soon spirals down a path towards the truth. His family, wealthy and powerful, are part of an orgy-throwing sex cult. But is there something even more sinister beneath that revelation? Or is it all just in his head? Give it a watch, folks. And that's the end of the episode. Um, also, if it wasn't obvious, uh, that thing about Mike being afraid of boobs, that was kind of made up. Uh, basically threw him under the bus because, well, he wasn't there to defend himself. And I'm not afraid of reprisals because I'm the one who edits the podcast and they can't get me. Bye-bye now. Better find me some sperm. Keep your cock in your pants. <laughs>